The IAB Digital Audio Council presents the State of the Nation Industry Sessions. We love bringing industry together. Definitely the industry is, is moving forward. And audio is becoming more important. Powered by the nation's leading audio companies. For more information, visit iabaustralia.com.au. I'm uh, BJ from the IAB. Let's get into a, a conversation. I'd like to call up the, the panel to, to take a seat. Steve Brown, Head of Sales from SCA. Garant Davis, Chief Operating Officer from, from iHeart. Andrea Ingham, Director of Sales of ANZ. Uh, Chris Friel, Commercial Director of Pandora ANZ. And Ashley Earnshaw, Chief Investment Officer for CARA Australia. I'd like to kick off with, um, with you, Ash, um, if I may, being closer perhaps to um, clients in terms of what shift uh, have you been saying in, in your world in the digital audio space in terms of one, what are, what are clients looking for that's been different in the last six or 12 months? Yeah. Um, and then let, let's also talk after that a bit about the agency. But yeah, what are, what's changed in your world from a client perspective in this space? Yeah, I mean, for us, it's interesting to see we, we're still talking about education. Um, and it kind of felt like a few years, I mean, going back probably three years, we were talking about education in this space. So I think for us with our clients, that piece around education has been going on for quite a while. I think we're, we're through that. I think we're through the kind of radio streaming digital thing. I think it's, you know, um, I know it's a bit of a cliche, but we genuinely think about audio. Uh, and our clients, that's the way we, our team see it, that's the way our clients see it now. I think for us, so we've kind of been through that journey. And then I think, I think it's an exciting space as well. Uh, clients want a trial. Uh, I think they're excited by what um, streaming brings. Um, and I think the added layer of that is then about targeting. So I think we're, you know, I think we'd all probably be in a post kind of price-led um, environment if procurement wasn't such a sort of heavyweight on our shoulders. And I think that really targeting and better targeting is what our clients are interested in. And the audio space is clearly very mainstream around radio. But then when you add in kind of streaming, uh, and some of the emerging platforms like uh, podcasting, for example, I think it, it's really um, speaking to our clients about better targeting and efficiencies with their, with their ad spend, really. So that's the journey we've been on, and that's where clients are up to and now. When you talk about education, could you perhaps share like, what have been the, the two or three sort of hurdles that you've had to get clients over across yeah, the last 12 months? Oh, look, I think the, the, clearly it's, it's kind of straightforward. It's obvious from, I mean, we saw it in the setup piece around... Um, around the research, and great research, by the way, really good for our people and our clients to get a piece of research like that. Um, I think it's um, just research about consumption, um, you know, maybe the CMOs who aren't on those platforms. I think increasingly that's pretty rare. We, we saw the show of hands today, it's pretty mainstream now. Um, so I think, you know, clients understanding consumption uh, on, a, on a very basic level. And I think from a CARA point of view, kind of organising ourselves around that audio space and our client teams to be able to not only inform clients, but be able to transact streaming. So that's probably the journey we're on now is about kind of, you know, the test and learns pretty much happened. Uh, and you're seeing some of the examples we've seen there, like Medibank, for example, Woolworths. Um, it's more about now it's at scale and, and, and sort of a bit of an acceleration in 2017, I would say. Right. We'll come back to Woolies in a second, but I want to kind of continue on the topic of education. Uh, Andrea, you're, you're in the market constantly. What have you seen in terms of the education hurdles that you've had to try and get clients and agencies over? Yeah, from an audio perspective and having, I came from radio heritage for a long period of time and now thrown into a very digital world. Um, you know, there are people in this room from a digital perspective where we've talked about BMAD in radio. I think, Tom, we might have had this um, kind of laugh and they call it like BMAD because they're not used to BMAD, which is a very radio term, breakfast, morning, afternoon drive. And then from a digital perspective, you know, you talk about um, real time and AVOC and all of the targeting and measures there and the traditional radio buyers have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. So it's really kind of bridging those gaps and finding um, a happy medium. And I think measurement is going to be play a huge part in that. Um, I would personally love to see um, us integrated into the agency buying systems so that um, audio streaming can be bought as part of audio and traditional radio schedules. You know, there's, there's some complexities around that when you have a look at um, all of the extensive targeting and data capabilities with audio streaming and then the very traditional diary methodologies around terrestrial radio. Um, 
and also getting to a one source of truth. You know, we do a TNS study um, which shows unique incremental reach when you add streaming, Pandora doing their own study. As you mentioned, VJ, the IB are doing study. OMG have done a great study. Globally, we've just done with WPP. I think that one source of truth is a really important place for us to get to. And particularly um, when you look at audio from audio streaming and a terrestrial radio perspective. I think audio from a digital perspective is kind of the new fun toy and it's great and um, people are really embracing it not seeing as many um, traditional radio buyers include streaming. And, and Chris, from, from your perspective, both in terms of insights into education within the marketplace, but also are you finding you're having to have two different conversations depending on whether you're talking to um, the, the kind of traditional world versus the digital world? What's your experience of the market? I'm still thinking about buying a pair of MeUndies, to be honest, <laughs> right now. That was a cracking ad. Um, I think it's easy to forget that streaming is only four years old in this market. I mean, radio has been around for, forever. So, you know, that doesn't just mean that we've all known about for four, that for four years. You know, the teams at Spotify and Pandora in particular have been growing over that time. It's only really in the last year for me in 2016 that that awareness piece has kind of risen onto the mainstream agenda as audiences have grown, as teams have grown, and as we've been out in market doing our job, which is to educate and make people more aware of the platforms themselves and what advertisers can do on them and use the proof points for, um, you know, for agencies to go to their clients and be able to say it really does work and you can do this and you can target like that. So, I mean, that's an ongoing thing and that's our responsibility is continue, to continue um, to grow that awareness. I think you saw it from the survey in terms of your second question, VJ, around the split between let's say, radio teams and digital teams, there's a real desire and there's a real intent on the agency side to talk about audio and to bring you know, an audio strategy, an audio stack, whatever people may call that, together so that we've got this kind of one currency that is audio. I think t change takes time. It's not easy to move these traditional teams in with their digital teams in one go. It doesn't happen overnight. But I think that move is on, and I think through 2017, we'll see that continue to gather pace, and we're definitely seeing that in market. I mean, sometimes people say to me, um, you know, do you find that radio buyers don't understand digital? I find the opposite. I find that it's, it's often digital buyers that don't get audio. And when you think about our platforms themselves as well, you know, audio is the primary means of really attracting our audience. Over 80% of listeners are listening to Pandora with their earphones, earbuds um, in as well. You really want to lead in with audio. And if you don't understand that from a creative perspective um, as well, then you're really kind of not going to get the best bang for your buck and the best benefit. The digital element is a real kind of cherry on the top and a nice to have that can push ROI, that can give you the ability to instantly kind of take action there as well. But I think people should be thinking about that audio component first. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's good to hear. I think the stance we've taken is it's never, a, it's never about digital. It's, a, it's often about digital and. And with that, that in mind, gee, you were, you've been probably um, the first in with uh, iHeartRadio right at the very beginning before any of this uh, started here in uh, Australia. I mean, what, are the, what have been the kind of highlights and the insights of your journey, uh, both building that, that business, but equally the journey of you know, analog radio and, and digital audio and how that's been growing together. Um, give us some highlights of your trip so far. I think, I think the issue for, for radio in all, is we've got bloody radio. We've got this other base called transmitters and we've been broadcasting for 110 years. So we, ha we didn't have the luxury of the internet coming along and then that was the only platform that we, were, we could jump on. So... So for me, the, the big thing, and it's just a you know, slow consumer move, like the death of press that's been going on since I've been in media. I first met Ralph in 1986. Um, <laughs> I was five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I met his wife. Uh, no, um, the, the issue is consumer behaviour is relatively slow. In advertising, we think it's fast, 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 fast. It's relatively slow to get the bulk of people over to a new device, uh, a new platform. What I'm seeing from a radio perspective, uh, from, from iHeartRadio's usage, mobile in 2016 doubled. So the amount of sessions 
for listening to live radio predominantly um, doubled. So January, it's up 40%. So the move from what we call the traditional media to a digital media of listening to Carl and Jackie O on your mobile phone with absolutely all the data points that any internet organisation can give you that's selling advertising or audiences is probably two, three, four, five years away if this doubling keeps happening. So no longer will we be the square that's you know 52% or 60% of listening per week, whoever's numbers you believe. Um, it'll all be just be one great big digital thing and there'll be a tiny section left of people who are still listening via an FM device. Um, so the move across, uh, a lot of it's cars, 33% of listening of radios is in cars. Um, cars don't change their dashboards um, on a sort of five-year cycle. And we know this because of DAB Plus trying to push that little bugger. Um, so you'll get a new three series every 18 months, but not that entertainment section in the middle of the dashboard. So Bluetooth, all those things which enable you to listen to the ABC in digital rather than AM, um, that will drive the radio listening, linear radio listening, into the digital world and you'll get all the metrics that you've been desperate to get outside of the GFK. For us, it would be fantastic for the radio industry because we spend a fortune on diaries. You know, it is a very, 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 we can't just put cookies on things. We have to knock on people's doors, give them a diary, uh, weeks listening. It is enormously expensive. It's the best way of doing it. You'll ask any researcher, that is the best way of doing what we're doing. I wish we could use cookies or just telephone you up and go, hey, what did you listen to yesterday? Come on, tell us. We can't do that. Uh, it's not robust enough. So SCA, Nova, all of us will be within two to three years, 20, 30, 40% of our listening won't be on FM anymore. And this argument of who's the best at targeting your audience will have disappeared and will be in the audio world of who's got the best message. That's good to hear. Um, Steve, in terms of, of your world, what's the change you've been seeing around the shift in the sorts of briefs that you've been getting through? And, and again, I'm still keen with all of you to keep prodding at this sort of education question. I think it's important. You know, what have been the education hurdles you've need to you've been um, getting over in market? Well, your prodding's working, VJ, because it's <laughs> about education. Um, yeah, so SCA's in a unique position where we have uh, broadcast TV, broadcast radio, digital audio and digital. Um, and so we've actually seen quite a significant growth in briefs across the platform, uh, about 40% year on year, which is fantastic. From a pure audio play where SCA has broadcast, podcast, streaming and DAB+, we've only seen a 20% uh, increase year on year. And that's purely because of education, we believe, that um, everyone knows how cross-platforms work, but from a pure audio point of view, they're not sure how the data works from a podcast to a stream or from broadcast to DAB Plus or, or any of those combinations. So that's our biggest challenge is to educate the market. I think one of the other key issues is that um, the Commercial Radio Australia and the PPCA, who have been managing performing artists' rights, have been in mediation for about two and a half years around how much the broadcasters, so they are in uh, Nova, um, SCA and others, have to pay for streaming music. Um, and we've just finally mediated that in August last year. So essentially for the last couple of years, you've heard nothing from G or myself or Nova or any of the other um, broadcasters around our digital audio product, which is going to change significantly this year. And that's why I'm proud to be up here and talking about the growth of audio this year, is that you're going to have the broadcasters coming out really aggressively about their product and not just pre-roll, but about in-stream as well. So replacing the broadcast simulcast ad with a... Uh, digital replacement, which will be fantastic. Right at the beginning, and, and for me personally, um, just over the last six months, getting deeper into this council, and obviously I've got a bit of a bias towards the um, digital audio, um, there are these unique things that we can do in digital audio in terms of leveraging you know, location or, or music and all these kind of data points. Ash, I guess, given all of that's there and these guys can deliver it, to what extent are your clients asking? What are they asking for? Yeah. Um, and what, does, uh, what are you seeing that's kind of good around the market? So there's kind of two questions. What, yeah. what, what, what's being asked of you? And what are you seeing? What does good look like? Yeah, I think, I mean, the reality is that clients, um, I mean, 
many of us will work with clients. The reality is that um, some clients are far more advanced with targeting and others still want to target you know, 25, 54 people. You know? <laughs> um, I think from a carrier point of view, we're always um, looking to um, sort of hone in on targeting, better targeting, better business results. And so who's doing it well? I mean, Medibank, um, one of our clients up there, um, it's really pleasing me to see the, not only the, the better targeting, but then the creative work that sits within that. And that's the kind of work that we definitely encourage through you know, any, any streaming service or, or, or sort of digital radio, whatever you want to call it. So I think for every client you've got that's um, sort of advanced in that, in that, then there's other clients that are not. That's just a, just a truism of the, of the whole market. Um, and I think it's up to us, that education piece, also just to pick up on a point, that education piece across the, the commercial radio and streaming. For, for me personally, this is kind of maybe taking my carrot hat off and um, just with the passion that I've got for sort of audio and what audio means, I think it's not particularly helpful to create divisions. And we, I feel like in this, in this market, we saw that with television broadcast. Mm. Um, and, you know, really what we're going on here is the journey that video went on probably eight years ago. Um, it isn't helpful to create those boundaries. And as radio becomes a digital, it's a digital medium, so then what does that mean? I think the traditional digital things are not there. So, um, so, so clients-wise, we're seeing a real mix. Some of that work you've seen there. I was chatting with Andrew before this. Uh, Woolworths, um, probably a client that's... Uh, I would say Woolworths is quite a proxy for the market. It's dipped its toe into streaming in 2016. Uh, then the briefs that we're putting through into market now are a share of audio. Uh, we don't think about, let's do a streaming brief, let's do a radio brief. We think about the full spectrum. Um, I think then that brings in platforms like podcasting. Um, so for, for me, between Medibank and Woolworths are probably the clients that are doing it best. Um, but then we've got others that are really just broad targeting plays. And do you know what? That's fine at the moment, but that's not where we want clients to be, I would say. Cool. No, I'm, I'm with you in the fact that I think industry bodies need to kind of work together and the entire industry needs to get to a common voice. And I think we've been already getting this sense it's good, actually. Yeah, you're going to be busy for the, for the rest of the year. But the, the, the opportunity around measurement when you've got this audio content on, on, um, on multiple platforms, a kind of message heard and understood. You mentioned Woolies, and I guess there's a few of you that have been working with Woolies. It'd be great to kind of hear um, the sorts of things that have been going on. I know, for example, Pandora, you've, you've actually set some um, in-store audio up with them. Do you want to talk to us a bit more about that? Let, let's, let's, let's hone in on Woolies for a minute or two and uh, <laughs> yeah bring, sure I can, I, can I can touch on that I think it's it's probably easier to say you know what we try and do as much as possible when we talk to clients is not just think about an advertising solution so it's kind of like how can what we do and not how can our product at Pandora help to fulfill some of your business objectives well this is a great case of that they'd had a very um dated system of playing music in store as well. It was kind of like CDs um, going round and round, a certain number of CDs, which I just think if I was someone working at Woolies would probably do my nut in on a regular <laughs> basis. And Rick, who's, who works with you and isn't here today, started talking to them probably two or three years ago about an in-store radio solution, um, which is went live about six months ago. So we now power Woolworths Radio um, in-store across all of the Woolies stores um, in Australia. Um, and really, kind of, I would say, there's, there's three ways that that benefits them and us. Um, it's a much better experience. So you've got personalised music playing across each of these different 1,000 stores. The sound of Parramatta may be different to the sound of Bondi, right. to the sound of Balmain, based on the demographics and working with each, each of the individual store owners there. You might have a different sound on a weekend that you do on a Monday morning, for instance, as well. So we're constantly working with our curation team on the content that we play. The feedback we're getting from their staff and their customers is really, really positive um, feedback. So that ticks a box for Woolies, two boxes, because one of their key KPIs is keeping their staff happy, and it's also providing an environment their customers are enjoying being in as well. The second point is we're allowing them to monetize that, and we're working with them on monetizing that. So that kind of works for them and us um, in two different ways. It creates a new revenue stream for their business. And the third part as well goes back to data. It's, it's also collating more and more data um, information um, that we can work on, probably more of a longer term, in more of a longer term kind of strategy and vision um, to build out more opportunities for them and for advertisers. Any more on Woolies? 
Um, yeah, for us it's a very different experience and um, we work off different licences. So our licence is a very one-to-one. -one. We, um, we don't have a licence. We're about curation, personal curation, bespoke and personalisation. So rather than that kind of one-to-many experience, um, you know, nearly 50% um, of the song choices through Spotify are user-generated, which is they're choosing what they're listening to. Um, it's very much a lean-in proposition, um, which is obviously very different to, you know, broadcasting through a supermarket. Um, and so with, when we talk to Woolworths, because we have, you know, very, very extensive um, data capabilities, um, Woolworths have been talking to us, Greenhouse have been talking to us about, you know, they want to target moments. They want to be in people's lives um, at a point in time that makes sense. So um, we're all about moments. Um, over 50% of our consumption is through moments-based playlisting. Is it bar party? Is it chill? Is it showering? Um, is it commute? Is it workout, etc.? So you're reaching people at a point in time um, that makes it very text um, relevant contextually. Um, and that's what really helps get to those trigger points of purchase. So again, when I was talking about terrestrial radio and you kind of think BMAD, um, we would even suggest to people like, you know, with us, do you really need to choose a demographic? Is a de demographic trying to point towards someone who is more likely to do something? Whereas we can tell you and serve them an impression when they're actually doing that. Just to build on that, the, the work we've done with um, Holden out of Melbourne, yeah. um, the, and we were talking about traditional digital, and I hate that, but we get what it means. The, the, um, the streaming teams have actually been informing how the radio buys are being bought. So the fact that the um, streaming uh, side of um, that, that investment has been um, getting real, you know, better data coming through, um, uh, they've been informing radio. So to Andrea's point, this whole idea of kind of BMAD kind of falls away and it's like, what, what is the data, where the points we want to interact with that audience and how can we then inform a traditional radio buy on that? Can you talk a little bit about the sort of the, the sort of data that you're you're seeing, just to sort of bring a bit of colour to that. Yeah, I think I mean they're, they're looking obviously at um, trying to understand what drives trial, so test drives effectively, getting people into car. So understanding time of day, whether that's through um, from a streaming point of view, what's driving engagement, and therefore rather than just having broad BMA, if originally they would brief on BMAD. Uh, but rather than doing that, then uh, nailing down time of day, targeting through the radio, not just looking at um, talent, um, but then in their in their business as usual. Um, investment, nailing down certain days and certain times that actually are driving uh, more engagement than just a, a broad targeting piece. Yes. And then you layer in, sorry, layering over the demographics on that as well. So, you know, we know that 25, the 25 to 44 year old males are more likely to request a test drive on a Thursday afternoon things like that, the more information that you can weave together. And speaking of creating, Paul Balbois, who spoke at another audio event um, that um, we were at, he actually referenced um, Bespoke Creative and um, with Holden, he's the media manager at Holden, um, and they said they don't always use Bespoke Creative, but when they do, they get like three times the ROI than when they just put their radio commercials onto audio streaming. So really for them, it's not about... Um, you know, they would prefer to do it. Sometimes it's just um, time pressures that don't allow it, but the ROI definitely um, is what makes the investment and time worthwhile. And thinking about data and technology, we've seen across actually most digital media platforms that, that um, programmatic has been growing. I get the sense that there's going to be quite a, um, a shift this year in terms of programmatic audio. It's kind of an open question in terms of what have been your experiences and how do you see this year going as far as programmatic audio is concerned? Brownie, do you want to um, kick us off? Yeah, I think it goes hand in hand with um, the growth of audio as a channel that um, the buying methodology evolves as well. So um, programmatic will be growing hand in hand um, with the scale of with audio across, um, across the market. So SCA is the agent for A2X, which is um, the um, programmatic uh, exchange, digital audio exchange here in Australia, of which um, Andrew and, and Spotify were uh, recently a, um, a partaker in. Currently SoundCloud, Nova, SCA, Macquarie. Um, so really good quality inventory, um, which is being bought um, through Trade Desk and AppNexus currently. So passing data, all the things you'd expect from video or display, you're now seeing through um, audio. So that, that, uh, that horse has bolted, actually. It's uh, well underway. All the trading desks are buying at the moment. Um, the key is, I think we were talking about it before, around influencing radio or digital buyers or, or planners uh, up the funnel, whereby um, how are they executing? Are they executing by 
um, direct sale to broadcast? Are they um, mixing it up digital and um, broadcast? And then how are they executing that buy through an email or an or a, um, exchange at, uh, at the trading desk? So it's, a, it's an evolution that we're going on, but uh, all the pipes are there and the inventory is there for um, the marketplace to take advantage of. What's been your experience as a Yeah, I think space? we were the first, Spotify was the first mover in that space. It makes sense. We operate globally in over 60 countries now and, um, you know, audio is our primary product. Um, we've benefited from, um, you know, coming in um, programmatically behind um, other products like video so where we can learn from, you know, what does the market want. We very much deal with... Um, the agency groups at a global level to work out, look at what they're asking for, what's important to them. Um, so we've, we've built um, real-time audio programmatic offering. Um, globally, we actually tested in Australia, which was great because there was a huge appetite for it here. Um, we're finding that Australia is one of our leading programmatic audio markets um, as far as kind of percentage of of revenue, of total programmatic revenue. Um, we are trading now across every single agency group and um, you know we're, we're finding the appetite is huge. Um, it, there is one point um, that I was talking to the guys about earlier that um, because audio programmatic is so new and when you look at where screens trading is at, it feels like in some cases that um, people are aspiring to get to kind of where screens are at and the holy grail before they've even traded an impression. So I would just say to people like, you know, trade an impression, there's piles of targeting capabilities that sit there before you build stacks and um, before you get down to kind of matching email addresses, that's all on its way, it's all coming. Um, but the data, data uh, matching capabilities and targeting are immense. And, um, you know, audio programmatic is there, we're trading. And, um, yeah, as I said, Australia's been really leading the way in the globe on that, which is great to see. I'm going to open it up in just one second. So be, uh, have your questions if they're ready. Just a couple of other things I just want to explore. Um, something that Gay um, touched on, uh, as you'd expect her to, which is around measurement and particularly around effectiveness. Again, I guess probably to you initially, Ash, and then to the, to the whole panel. Um, what, 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 as, as digital audio um, grows and, and as audio becomes more data-driven across the whole piece, what are the questions that um, clients are looking for when it comes to ROI and effectiveness? Yeah. And um, you know, any, are there any examples you can share that, of, of uh, insights into, into that measurement piece that perhaps we couldn't do 12, 24 months ago? Yeah, I think, I, I mean, yeah. with us, the... Um, I mean, the, the programmatic piece we've spoken about, and that's kind of um, the capabilities there. I think the acceleration piece is for us this year. In terms of effectiveness, I think we, um, again, for me, the, what I, it'd be great to say that every single brief we get has really clear effectiveness and sort of business metrics. I think we're still, goes back to the research piece there, um, we're still getting a lot of kind of brand awareness jobs um, and, and sort of taking, taking the metrics that, um, a CMO see through radio and putting that into the streaming space. I think we've um, we've got to kind of educate through that. I would say in terms of the briefs that our teams are getting, mm. um, I wouldn't have specific case studies um, on that um, for today. Probably <laughs> probably from when I was briefed on today. But um, um, these guys may know more about that. But what I notice is about the um, sort of the the, mi the mixture of um, sort of clear effectiveness metrics that come through briefs for us and therefore um, how we're able to kind of drive the streaming category forward um, because our teams are effectively hamstrung through what they're getting through CMOs. And what, what, Gee, in terms of, again, being there at the, at the forefront of the digitization of, of audio um, you know, with, with iHeart and, and everything else that you guys are doing, um, what's the change you've seen in terms of the questions you're getting from agencies and clients around effectiveness and, and ROI, and how are you responding to that? I think, I think there's still, Going back to the metrics, you know, it's great the IOB together, it's great the CRA are here, it's great that there's FM radio uh, networks as well as um, uh, the streaming services because we've got to get together. You know, we're, we're all going to be used you know, on an iOS or Apple device in two or three years' time, so we have to be together. Um, the, I think the agencies are still seeing the Spotify Pandora user as a completely different human being with two heads or no heads at all <laughs> compared to an FM listener who's, you know, close to death. 
Um, <laughs> everybody in this room put their hands up three Thank times. Yeah. Have you listened to the podcast? Yes. Have you listened to FM radio? Yes. Have you listened to a Spotify? Yeah. We're all doing the same thing. We just do it at different times, potentially, and to different volumes. Um, we have the benefit of history, um, and we'll have the benefit of the, the, the digital metrics coming. Well, I had a brief this week for listening to radio stations in, on iHeartRadio in North Melbourne. Here's the postcode list. We just want to serve display and pre-roll ads to people listening to predominantly one of our stations, Gold or Kiss 101, um, in those postcodes. Yep, we can do that. Can't do, can't do that on Broadcast FM, but we can do it with a, with a, with a digital equivalent. Um, that is a type of question that I think agencies will be asking more of what's known as traditional radio mediums and vice versa. Um, you know, the, the questions that uh, Spotify get asked will become more like the questions we're asked now. So it's, I think... I think sorry, VJ, just, just jumping in on that as well. I mean, I think you just tie it back to look at CMOs and look at their challenges nowadays as well. You know, they've got to prove... Um, the effectiveness of every dollar that they're spending and if you come from a digital background you've always been proving that you know if you're going to spend this much money with me then I want to show you that that's working for you and that's driving for you, that for you and you know proof points come up in every survey media eye surveys show me the effectiveness of my advertising and I will continue to invest because you're actually growing my business I don't think that's ever changed I think digital 20 years ago just gave us more metrics to be able to really, really hone in on what is working and what isn't working. And that is part and parcel of every day, every breath that we take every day is we want to be able to prove that what you're doing with us is working and we have countless ways of doing that and that is why we are growing at the rate we're growing. And as much as um, looking at ROI, one of the key metrics that I see for CMOs that doesn't come up as strongly for agencies, which is quite interesting because obviously it's really important to their clients, is brand safety. And I know particularly from a Pandora and Spotify perspective, because the content there's no external influence on content. Um, brands are 100% safe. And we've all seen, I mean, I saw one the other week, I won't name the brand, I won't name the platform, where something ran in the middle of an article that it really didn't suit the advertiser. Um, and there's been two studies I've seen now where brand safety is the number one measure for CMOs. Um, so it's really nice to be able to offer that um, in a really uncluttered, highly targeted um, um, platform. Okay, that's good to hear. I think it's uh, from a personal perspective, having lived in that world. I think <laughs> I think that's right. I also think often we just talk about the CMO, and I, I think one of the things that's exciting about this space is the up and coming marketer who's also looking to make a name for him or self, or the, the the planner within the agency. And I think that you know, I certainly was tasked with driving through metrics, but you were also tasked with driving through some innovation. Yeah. Um, so I think that's one of the things that excites me personally about this world. I'm conscious of the time, and I'm conscious you've been incredibly patient. Um, we have mics uh, at the ready, so please dive in with a question. Say who you are, where you're from, and uh, give them your worst. Any, any questions from anyone in the audience? Thanks. Hi, it's um, Alistair from the BBC. Um, if the dreaded CTR is the scourge of the d digital display industry, how, how are you kind of, you know, how are clients evaluating actionable, sort of measurable engagement with audio advertising? Do you want me to kick off? You can I'll, kick I'll, off. I'll, I'll take I'll that follow one up. first, <laughs> Brilliant question, because I hate that click-through rate as well. Mm. I think there's a couple of examples that I can give from our perspective. So first and, and foremost is, you know, I, I've been at Pandora for over a year now, and one of the first things that struck me was we do quite a lot of branded stations where we... You know, we work with a client to find the sound of their brand and then we'll come up with a station for that client. A good example of that is Huggies. Huggies had this brief that they sent to us and they wanted to... Um, they had an insight that was around, like, music was something that mothers and their, and their babies kind of 
you know, bonded over when babies were quite young. And they had these nappies that were the most ultra-absorbent nappies in the world, and they are with two kids. I can testify to that. I've not worn them myself. Um, and they wanted to get kids up dancing to showcase the absorbency of their nappies. So we worked them, with them, and we built a brand station um, where we asked mothers to set, and fathers to send in the songs that get, got their kids, their babies, up and dancing. So it's like a user-generated mixtape that we were creating, and we built that into a brand station called Groove Central Station for Huggies. I mean, you think about the brand Huggies and then music and some kind of music station, it's not an obvious fit. We got 20-odd thousand entries of these songs into to build out this branded station, and then we built out a branded station, promoted that across the network, and got 16,000 people who added that station and then listened for an average of 32 minutes per session. Like thousands and thousands of engagement with Huggies Groove Central Station. So, you know, you look at how you're proving that ROI from an engagement perspective, that is a massive kind of investment and interaction with that brand. And from a CTR specific, we've just launched a new product called the Visual Ad Experience. And this is a bit risky because we have massive click-through rates. It's one of our one of the things we've traded on over the last few years is, you know, you should be spending more with Pandora because our click-through rates so much higher than the industry norm. And everybody knows that there are various reasons for that as well. There are quality clicks, and then there are the fat thumb clicks that are just trying to close something down. So we've reinvented our kind of mobile ad experience. It's called the visual ad experience. We've taken away that cross so you can't fat thumb it. You're swiping to get it away. Click-through rates have gone down. They're still pretty, pretty high, but the beta tests that we've done with clients are that the conversions of those clicks and the quality of those clicks is much, much higher. So you're taking a little bit of a hit with the traditional advertising because why has, why has my click-through rate gone down by you know, half or, or what it used to be? Um, it's a re-education job, but the results that we're seeing are then much more effective um, from that perspective. A couple of examples for us. I can touch on one quickly. I think um, broadcast has kind of proven itself over the years. I mean, there's econometric modeling that you guys run, and so broadcast is kind of a given. But from a digital point of view, we've got data points now. So there's a, a great example that I have through A2X, where um, a big box retailer like Harvey Norman um, ran a display-only campaign and had a, a reasonable conversion to sale. But when they combined display and digital audio, they had a 3x on sale, not just click-through rate. So it goes back to the client KPIs, what they're trying to achieve, how well they can test, if they're A-B testing, or they can run individual channels at individual times. Um, but that's the challenge for the busy CMO now. They've got plenty of things to do. But it's definitely achievable, and the beautiful thing about online activity is there's, uh, it's attributable, yeah. attributable through data. And because we are talking audio, and when you have a look at traditional audio, there was no real visual element available, no click-through, no, no attribution measure available whatsoever. So if people are investing in audio and um, that is, um, you know, what they want to use, the, um, the accountability through digital audio and streaming is, is so much more deep and immense that I think, you know, there are clients that click-through rate is going to be a measure, um, but there's so much more you can do with data and moments and cost per engagement and, you know, we're, we're all using a lot of um, very high-quality measures. Um, to make sure that we're delivering for the brands. Hard to measure for broadcast, isn't it? I mean, it's still really, really yeah. strong and works really well. Yeah. Yesterday, my back windscreen smashed. I went to O'Brien Glass because of that, oh, 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 O'Brien. Oh, I mean, jingles work. <laughs> they still work, but it's, it's just easier to fall into purely digital. And I think that's dangerous. I still think you've got to yeah. have that brand component as well. And there's a lot of talk around viewability at the moment. Um, and it's nice to see that, that measure move to include audibility as well because I would challenge any brand to try and build their brand and build emotion with just view. Just view. You need audio in there. Audio is what creates some um, emotion and that's what creates deep brand engagement. Yeah, from, from the work we do as well, I think that the kind of click-through rate thing, it's interesting because Chris said the, so the, so the digital planner buyer needs to learn from the traditional planner buyer. <laughs> I actually think when it comes to engagement, the digital, the digital people we have in our business are way ahead. Mm. And I think that's where the, the, the people who have been traditionally dealing in digital touch points more can educate those people that have come across some traditional media. Because it's kind of not even a conversation, right? Mm. So that, that's for me. The, secondly, on the multiplier effect, I think, you know, when you go through, we've always seen that audio adds a, um, a layer of effectiveness to a campaign. And then within the audio sphere, when you've got, um, if we think about it in a stack around radio and um, sort of streaming, 
that those two work together to again produce a more effective campaign. So um, that that's been our experience with the clients' campaigns we've run. Yeah, it's uh, about the two together. Uh, any other questions? Yeah, uh, Tim from Big Mobile. Um, so my question is, um, even on a, so a mobile perspective, a desktop perspective, there's still a lot of challenges around getting rich data sets, creating scalable audiences to then sell out to clients. What's been done on a an audio perspective for that, considering that you know it's probably small in relation to the desktop and mobile traffic or or um, impressions, and how is that sort of be, being, um, I guess, combated in terms of helping to scale out those audiences, knowing that the appetite for agencies is already pretty high around audience segments, personalization, and those type of things? The, the scale is there. Um, I mean, our, all of our primary product is audio. We have video, we have dis, you know, display, et cetera, et cetera, but our primary product is audio. And I will quote, Comscore is a measure that we all kind of look at. I have the Comscore numbers. You're in there, don't you worry. iHeart, um, I um, Pandora and Spotify, Comscore December numbers show almost 6 million users in December. Um, and that had grown by 2 million since January. So, yeah, no, I'm, uh, it's the evolution, so the scale, isn't it? the scale is there. It's the, the first party data allows us, that, that's our first kind of targeting component. So we've got all of this information on our own audience. If you want postcode, age, gender, musical taste, then we can cut that up. You know, telcos that people are listening to, mums, some inferred segments as well based on what they're listening yeah. to. And as our scale continues to grow, because we're only four years old, but it's grown so much quicker, then you build out more and more capabilities. And now for us, it's looking at how do we work with third parties as well to build out third party segments and give you something a bit, a bit deeper and a bit richer. I think, yep. I think for F FM radio, again, we've got, I can't remember the number, 8 million devices were sold in 2015 that have FM radio in, plus all the ones we've got in our kitchen, under the cupboard, etc. So we've, <laughs> there are still people buying, unfortunately, FM radios so for us, I think roughly, you know, globally, 10% of listening to FM is, is now online. Um, that's, but that's a big, big 10%. So I think the next stage is to take that 10% and mirror the, the usage patterns that we have of all that rich data against what probably an equivalent person who doesn't touch mobile listening is doing. So I think that'll be a really good way of saying, hey, look, we've got 4 million listeners over here. You know, 400,000, we know exactly what they're doing uh, and when they're doing it and where they are, etc. We can then mirror those against their equivalent over there. I think that's, that's coming in, in 2017. And SCA has taken a bit of a hybridised approach whereby um, we do have a login to our apps where we have about a million and a half uniques, but we're also using the power of broadcast to fill out our first party. So we get millions of email addresses from promotional entries every year. Um, we've got a 50,000 strong research panel that the music directors use to test music. We've got a proprietary brand study panel that we use and we can use um, small data to inform big data. So there's plenty of opportunities. You know, we forget about this megaphone of broadcast. Yes, it's a way of consumption, but it's also a, a huge tool for engagement, both um, from a consumer point of view, but also from a trade point of view. Hi there, it's Andrew from Big Mobile. Um, just got a quick, quick question about um, duplication of audiences. So, mm -hmm. just wondering, um, would someone? Are you guys finding that someone would have a Pandora app and a Spotify app on the same mobile device? No, no. Um, Chris, tell me if I'm right here. I think um, of our Spotify users, um, 89 percent of them. Um, are unique to us and aren't using Pandora, and I think your number's around 81. 70, is 81. it 78 or something? Yeah, yeah there's less than 20% duplication, and even smaller in younger demographics as well. Most people are one or the other, although it'll be interesting to see how that evolves as our product, product offerings evolve. Um, I'll leave that there, but I mean, you know, things the, like Discover Weekly yeah. and we're launching an on-demand product, things will change. Is there anyone in the room that uses both Spotify and Pandora? Yeah, it's, it, that's that's way more it than. Doesn't um, work for Spotify puns. <laughs> yeah, that's that's way more than we see in our in our own research, and um, yeah. you know they are different products, and that's why when we talk to agencies and brands, it's not about one or the other; it's about you know using nice. them to complement each other. I've got a question through on Twitter, which was about the the shift in in spend. But um, so before I but before I come to you, Ash, and it was about. Turn the camera off. Before I do, uh, for for Steve and for G, 
Um, linking that back to the demand you're getting towards more digitally leaning briefs as opposed to less, how has that shifted over the last 12 years? What's, what's the demand been in your um, you go first. You're yeah. It's a shitload closer to it than I am. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as, I, as I said at the start, we've seen a 20% increase on audio only briefs. So um, there's definitely an increase in demand. Uh, from a financial point of view, we're just starting to play in um, streaming, as I said before, because of the CRA's negotiation. Um, DRB Plus we've had for a while, but as you saw by the, the survey, there's a lot of work to do in educating the market around what that can do. and, and um, only just the last six months, the, um, the reach numbers have been put out by GFK, which is starting to um, give some accountability, I guess, to that um, platform. And then we've got Podcast One, which we've just signed up um, out of the US, which is fantastic. So there'll be a soft launch uh, next month. Um, and we're really looking to, again, go to market and talk more about the four quadrants I like to talk about, um, of the audio channel being broadcast, podcast, streaming, and DAB+. So um, we've seen a, a, a reasonable uptick um, there's definitely a huge upside. I mean, we're all talking about it. Um, I was at the AppNexus um, Summit at the end of last year and it was the same thing again. Everyone's talking about audio. Um, I really like Andrew's position around people just getting in there and playing with it. Um, you know, there's a, there's, it's kind of a blue ocean at the moment. You can get in, you can test things, new products. Uh, you've got you know, great audiences there with reasonably low clutter at the moment. I think by early next year it'll be a pretty busy market. So. Um, I'd just encourage everyone to get involved and, and test and learn. Yeah, I, th I think for us, you know, we're, we're in every single camp. So we've got a huge foot in live radio, and then we've got a couple of toes in um, the, the, the music streaming services. We launch our subscription services later in the, in the year. So then we're all got a subscription service, pay for, <laughs> freemium. Um, you know, how many apps can you get on your phone that play music? So for us, I think from an advertising perspective, is we will have big feet in nearly every camp. I think we've got two million hours of podcasts. We're not known for podcasts. Nobody would go to our radio for a podcast, but if you happen to have the app, you'd suddenly go, wow, look at all these podcasts. We don't promote it. Um, what we promote is listening to live radio, because at the moment, that's what's paying everybody's salaries. Um, but over time, that will, you know, we'll cannibalise ourselves. If, if people don't listen to Carl and Jackie O as much as they used to, they've probably got the iHeartRadio app and they're listening to a curated playlist or their own playlist or the tracks they've downloaded from Carl and Jackie O show anyway. Um, so for us, it's just about being everywhere and having <coughs> a foot in every single audio camp. And, and Ash, back to you. I don't necessarily need an exact dollar figure, but you could give us a, <laughs> a flavour of uh, <laughs> the shift you're seeing um, in the marketplace towards yeah, um, digital dollar. It, yeah, sure. Um, look, I think the I think we've got the the groundings there when it comes to I mean the digital thing everyone gets right. The the the, the grounding we've got um, when it comes to streaming around we've already we've already got the case studies and the campaigns. We're already clear that um, these kind of um, Opportunities for our clients are stripping out volatility, a huge problem in the broadcast space. Because I don't, you know, the sand isn't just audio here. We're thinking about what's going on in um, TV, for example. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the offerings that we're talking about, um, you know, grounded in case studies now, we've got the, the volatility stripped out. They've been proven to be effective. Um, so that's all there. And then we've spoken about the targeting piece today. So I think the house is in good order. Um, and then for us, clearly, it's going to be about what clients want from us. Um, but clients have always wanted to play in the audio space, but the audio space is just migrating digital. I mean, if, if we go hands up, who's bought a CD this year? <laughs> you know, it's not happening, right? So we know it's just about consumption and, ch and changes in consumption. Yeah. Clearly, this space will accelerate. I think we've spoken about the technology within car. That's the big, that's the big accelerator, forgive the pun. Yeah. Um, and then programmatic. So, you know, without doubt, the, for me, technology and programmatic are going to really accelerate. This year, it's hard to put a dollar figure on it, I guess, but... Um, there's clearly going to be a bigger acceleration than there was in 2016, I would say. You know, we, we see streaming playing a really important part in our clients' campaigns. Um, and, you know, all the kind of case studies we've spoken about today through Holden, Woolies, uh, Medibank, you know, gives me great confidence that that acceleration will be more than it was last year. And because programmatic is new to... Um, audio. Um, I mean, a lot of the agency groups now have um, KPIs and goals around shifting a certain amount of investment yeah. to programmatic. So that's only going to help um, feed um, feed that as well for us. So you know, there's um, there's there's going to be that shift happening regardless of um, you know kind of. 
people intending to or not from a heritage radio space just on the way that people are they're kind of they're shifting their business and the structure cool thank you Okay, time for the very last question. Hi, um, Eugene Nielsen. Data is being mentioned a lot. Uh, ad expenditure came up, uh, but there's not a lot known about the ad expenditure or the granularity of ad expenditure, who's advertising where, how much they're spending, and when across audio streaming. I think the panel would probably agree, and, and please say if you don't, it, you know, it's, it's probably in the interest of the industry to have a better understanding of audio streaming, who's spending, and how much they're spending. And my question is whether the likes of Pandora, Spotify, iHeartRadio and so forth would be willing to share data on ad expenditure, you know, whoever it might be with, for more clarity to the industry and who's advertising, where they're advertising and when did they advertise? Streaming is reported through SMI. Yep. So the numbers are available. There was a summary done of 2016 in the press just recently. So the streaming numbers are reported. Um, when you go down to... But that's just agency though. Um, it is just agency. It's, yeah. really, it's really an agency marketplace at the moment. I, <laughs> we don't have a direct marketplace. You, yours is. We've got a massive direct no, marketplace. <laughs> <laughs> it's huge. It's ten times yeah. bigger than yours. It's the, the majority <laughs> of revenue. The majority of yours. The majority of revenue is coming from agency. So there's not a direct marketplace there at the moment. So the SMI numbers for you know is capturing, uh, you know, a large portion of that even who is obviously um, releasing their numbers to SMI. Yeah, yeah. In, the absence of, in the absence of some holding groups, I'd say that it's broad, the, those, the accountability that sits through SMI is, is, is pretty, pretty accurate, accurate when you, if you look in the audio space versus FM radio <laughs> and then more broadly yeah. um, in other channels. And because we are really only talking to the large agency groups in the most part, um, you know, our um, client base pretty much mirrors to, to some degree, probably not at a percentage of volume level, but you know, you look at the top 100 advertisers, apart from those targeting over 50s, most of them, them have trialed streaming at some yeah. point now. It's mainstream. It's mainstream. Mainstreaming, it's, to put a dad joke yeah. in there. But um, I would say from, from our perspective, we're a publicly listed company as well, so you can see how much Pandora, you know, if you want to dive deep, trades from an advertising perspective across the US and, and ANZ. In terms of specifics from a client perspective, you know, yeah, over 400 advertisers last year just on Pandora in Australia alone, um, which was double what it was the year before as but well. But compared to, say, terrestrial radio, heritage radio, you know, their list of clients, because they have a huge direct marketplace, like you look at a station like 2GB for example and probably Joe you could probably tell me 90% yeah. of their revenue would be coming from direct advertisers yeah. whereas we are very much um, an agency marketplace at this point and do live in that kind of top 100 we don't have the long tail that terrestrial yeah. heritage radio has and it's been very digitally focused you know we've only really started to in the last 6 to 12 months talk about audio and mm. radio, you know, the way agencies were set up in particular was streaming goes into the digital team and as, you know, scale has grown, it's like, okay, we need to talk about audio now. So it's where does that budget come from? Does it come from a digital budget or a radio budget or now maybe just an audio budget? Great topic for the uh, Audio Council to, to pick up and to, to look further at. So, so thanks for that input. And look, on that, um, I'd like to um, thank you for the questions and more importantly, thank G. Steve, Chris, Ash and Andrea for being an, an outstanding panel today. Thank you. The IAB Digital Audio Council presents the State of the Nation Industry Sessions powered by the nation's leading audio companies. For more information, visit iabaustralia.com.au.